Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Golden Ratio podcast. I am Jen, GR Mom, joined as always by GR Dad. Hi, as always. And uh, drink of the week is champagne out of the Stanley Cup, which is what we drank last night. And Bloody Mary out of the Stanley Cup, actually. GR Dad is fancier than me. So GR Dad was college roommates with... What is his official title? Assistant, Assistant General Manager. Assistant General Manager of the Washington Capitals. And I got to say, it was worth marrying GR Dad just because <laughs> he's college friends, uh, and I mean, uh, friends since college also, yeah. uh, with the Assistant General Manager of the Washington Capitals. And he had his day with the Stanley Cup yesterday. For those of you who are not hockey fans, the Stanley Cup is the trophy that you get for winning the championship of the National Hockey League. It is a silver punch bowl. It is four and a half feet tall. It's giant. Yeah, it's a punch bowl on top of like a big cylinder. Tower. Yeah, tower. Um, But it actually was originally like some dude's punch bowl that he's like, this will be the trophy. It is the best trophy in sports. That's queso in the background by, you know, by, you know, to be on topic, more on topic, but Stanley Cup is the best trophy in sports. It has the name of every player on every team who's won it in the last, like, 80 years. Yeah, and when it gets full, they take, like, it's a bunch of bands around this big cylinder, and so they'll take the oldest band off, move everything up, and put a new band on, which is what's going to happen this year. The Caps are going to be the first ones on the new bottom band. Um, but every player and most of the front office staff get to have a day with the cup. And so you get to take it home. Yeah. They bring it to your house. You can do whatever you want with it. Like some people sleep with it. They put their kids in it. They eat breakfast cereal out of it. Dropped it in their swimming pools. Yeah. You can do whatever you want with it. People put their babies in the, in the chalice part. Totally. And, uh, it's awesome. It is so awesome. It's the best trophy in sports. And so. Most of the players, and a lot of them are hockey players from small towns in Canada, stereotypically, they take them home to their towns, and then the whole town celebrates having the Stanley Cup in their town. It is, it's a weird, wonderful thing, non-jaded thing. Yeah, it's awesome. And so uh, GR Dad's pal, Don, had the cup yesterday, and he had a super fancy breakfast that GR Dad was invited to, but not me. It was a very exclusive event. Uh, at a fancy hotel here in Washington called the Hay Adams. And uh, they had the cup in the dining room, and, like, all sorts of people were coming up and taking pictures of it. Some, like, old lady in a wheelchair with an oxygen tube rolled up to it, and they had filled it with Bloody Mary in the punch bowl part, and she was, like, drinking with a straw (laughs) the Bloody Mary part. Uh, So I didn't get to do that part. but And then Don took it to, like... His, his school and his kid's school and then visited his dad in the nursing home with the cup and then he had a party at his house last night and we showed up at the party with like GR dad one of GR dad's other college friends who is a super nice guy and we kind of go into the backyard where the party's happening and there's you know I don't know anybody there because they're all GR dad's friends and they stop and talk to someone and I was like yeah cool I'm here for the cup I'm out I'm like, I'm going to go find the Stanley Cup. And uh, I was like, whatever. Like, great. You saw it this morning. I don't care. Like, I'm going to go. I, like, I want to hug it. I have an awesome picture of me hugging it, uh, which you can find if you search around on Twitter. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the description. And there's a good picture of us next to it, but I look so joyful hugging the Stanley Cup. I gave it a smooch. And then they, uh, yeah, they did a, a ceremony. So... GR Dad's friend is Jewish. They had a rabbi come, and he did an amazing, like, blessing and talk about using it. 
and uh, and they filled it with champagne, and they did a whole um, Jewish blessing, and everybody got to drink out of the cup, and so I drank out of it, and then Jiradad and I both tried to drink out of it at the same time. Pretty good. We didn't drink as much, but the ceremony was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And, uh, like, the DJ at the party was a Washington native. They brought the cup over to him, and he got to drink out of it. Uh, it was truly, like, one of the highlight experiences of my life. And, yeah, I was waiting, like, with the mob of people to get my drink out of it. And Jared, I was like, I'm going to go get some more champagne. I was like, you do not go anywhere. Like, you will <laughs> stay here until I am there, and you will take a video of me drinking from it because I want it documented. Don't let them get their own damn champagne. It's fine. You will stay here. I was going to pour it in the cup. Whatever. Yeah. You, you were not allowed to walk away I, I, until I was done. Oh, drinking. I know now. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, the, but the Stanley Cup is accompanied and like it's carried by these two guys from the Hockey Hall of Fame in Canada. So yeah. it's these two burly guys, you know, probably former hockey players who travel around with it and then just go to all the parties with it. It's really neat. Yeah, they were, like, eating the pizza, drinking some <laughs> drinks. Like, they were full-on guests at the party. Yeah. And they'd get really nervous anytime anyone, like, looked like they might pick it up. Yeah, only Don was allowed to pick it up. Yeah. As the, as the, it was his day, his cup, and nobody else gets to pick it up. Indeed. So uh, we had a very good time, us in the Stanley Cup. And, uh, yeah, I'm super pleased. So mediocre champagne out of the Stanley Cup, best champagne ever. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, we had a really good time. So that gets to be the cocktail of the week because that's pretty epic. Uh, and then w most of you probably saw, I tweeted this week that we're going to do Q&As, and I asked you all to record your Q&As and send them in to us. So we have a bunch already. If you have one that you also want to send, you can email it to us. Just use, like, the Voice Memo app on your phone, and you can send it to us at thegoldenratio4 gmail.com, and we'll probably do another question-answer episode in the future. So if you send us one, we will link it in. But we've got about 10 questions for today, and we'll see how many we get through. We may do a part two, but it depends how vociferous we are in answering these. Yeah, did we do an update on Maggie Schmeagle's oh, foreign object? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Schmieg, we have not done that. So if you have been watching, Schmieg, like a week ago, was feeling like super bad. She was up all night. I mean, on the hour, every hour, mm -hmm. panting, like really uncomfortable. They pant for many reasons, but when they're uncomfortable, they pant. And we couldn't really tell why. Like, I'd let her out. And she'll she's always game to, like, go out and pee. But it was that wasn't it. It's not like, oh, I really need to go out. We couldn't really tell what it was. And so in the morning, uh, in the light of day, you could tell, like you'd look at her and you could tell that she was in pain. And so we brought her into the vet and our regular vet wasn't there, but he's got a new guy working with him who's very nice. And he's the one who did her surgery on her head, uh, which is why her head is shaved now. And, you know, they did some x-rays and then I ended up leaving her there for a while, and she had just, like, a ton of food in her stomach, and, like, her bowels were super full, and I guess she got a bunch of diarrhea when she was at the vet, which I thankfully did not have to clean up, and um, they got some x-rays, and there was some kind of foreign object in there. We don't need another foreign object. No, it's not I was even like, that funny. Oh, my God. Like, the last thing we need is more foreign object. I think what we saw on the x-rays of foreign object was eggshell which was, would not cause a problem. It looked sort of like eggshell. Which is, 
I am not involved. I I have nothing to do with that. No, no, of course not. Uh, <laughs> it, it was me. It, it me. <laughs> no, that was me. Uh, but that I mean, eggshell wouldn't cause the problems that she was having. So it could be there was no real dangerous foreign object. It just was eggshell that looked weird. It could be that she was just. Oh, you're saying it was correlation and not causation? Yes, correlation and not causation. Oh. We don't really know. And I was like, I mean, I was like, I've got, we got to see if she will pass whatever this thing is that we can see in there. And so it's like 2 a.m. And I let her out. I'm like waiting for her to poop. She finally pooped. And of course, it's dark. And I'm like, is there a foreign object in there? And I've like got a stick and like the flashlight up on my phone, like poking around in her this poop. Is, trying this is to... all, you know, behind the magic. This is the reality <laughs> of owning dogs. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you have to poke around in there. This is not in this in the Snapchat. Don't worry. I actually, it is in the Snapchat. Well, I, you wrote about it. You didn't. I, you didn't talk well, it was dark, so yes. I did. No, I did this not. Good. Did not show the poop. Uh, this is good. If you've noticed, I never show poop on the Snapchat. I know. It's on purpose. And, and the, you preserve the dignity of the girls. That's right. Uh, not the dignity of myself, though. Okay. Um, but in any case, whether it was merely eggshell correlated with her feeling bad or there was a foreign object and she but not eggshell but not eggshell and she <laughs> passed it without me noticing which is entirely possible uh she's better she's so. she's her old self yep so uh she, we did take her to the vet today because she's having some really hard time walking we think maybe arthritis in her back but she used to i mean as of a few weeks ago she could walk kind of three quarters of a mile She'd get tired, but she was fine. And now she can walk about three houses down, and then she, she's, down. she just sits down. So uh, we've, we're trying some new medicine to hopefully make her more comfortable, but that's the current schmieg situation. I did carry her today, and I appreciate that now she weighs less than Vink. It's about like ventilating. Yeah, we, we were going to take her to meet a couple people, and we got three houses down, and she kind of arches her back and then sits down because she's in a lot of pain. And I was like, all right, dear dad, I'm going to take the four dogs and you must carry Schmieg home. So, yeah, she was 67 now, which is a lot better than 83, which is what she weighed before the diet. She's been our definitely our most successful diet patient. I wish I could lose 14 pounds like you did, Schmieg, though she was hungry all the time, which she's is kind of hard. always, you know? always been hungry all the time. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. But if it turns out if you're hungry all the time and then you also eat less, you will still lose weight. Yes. Which is easier if someone controls your access to food yes. other than yourself. Yes, you're not a dog. <laughs> it's harder for you. Oh, my God. I'm hungry all the time. She has no money. She can't buy food. <laughs> That's right. And uh, anyway, so yeah, Schmieg is pretty much okay and the foreign object situation is definitely resolved. Yep. All right. Are you ready to jump into questions? Let's do that. Okay. Question number one. Hi, Dr. GR Mom and GR Dad Esquire. I'm Steve from the Twin Cities in Minnesota. First off, I really want to thank you for all the good you put out into the world. Uh, it really, you know, it's brightened my day a whole bunch of times, and I really appreciate that. But my question is for Dr. GR Mom, and I was wondering if your you be doing the golden ratio has ever led to um, involvement in your work and other parts of your life. Like, has somebody ever approached you to be like, oh, I saw you, uh, you know, the Snapchat you do, and I would like to ask you about doing the speaking engagement or participating in research or something with, you know, teaching or anything like that. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. I appreciate the use of our proper titles in that question. Esquire is not mandatory. <laughs> Dear Dad Esquire, I'm going to totally start calling you that from now oh. on. Uh, I think that's wonderful. So, um, 
Not directly. I wouldn't, I get invited to do tons and tons of speeches. None, I think, directly from being the GR mom, though people have started occasionally recognizing me at these events that I do because they follow the girls, which is pretty cool. It's a weird form of famousness. Yeah, yeah. And when I did, uh, when I was on Love It or Leave It, uh, the podcast, which we record live, there, that was recorded at the University of Baltimore, and there were a ton of people there. And I didn't announce it on the website or anything. Uh, you know, I didn't tweet that I was going to be there because it was like purely I was there as a work thing to talk about the Internet. And they introduced me, and I was like, yeah, you know, I have dogs on the Internet. And there was like, I mean, this huge a like... block of people. Oh, tons of people in the audience were like... Oh my God, Bankman! We love the Golden Ratio! And like everybody on stage is like, what is going on? And I was like, my dogs are very famous on the internet. Um, so, so it hasn't directly led to any requests like that. It definitely helps my research because I study social media. And so by doing like, especially the snaps, I'm much more intimate with Snapchat than I think a lot of other faculty are because it tends to be people younger than me, frankly, who are on Snapchat. And using a platform, you learn about it in a totally different way than just like intellectually studying it. So I think it helps. Um, and I also did a TED Talk about dogs online. I've kind of intermittently done research about pets on the internet. Um, I have a paper on like online communities of dogs before I got all of this squad. And I did a TED Talk at TEDx Georgetown about pets on the internet, um, which interestingly got me an invitation to have dinner with the Prince of Sweden at the Swedish ambassador's house. It was like one of those weird things. And, uh, and I sat with the Prince of Sweden at the- I think like, a Prince of Sweden. No, no, the Prince of oh. Sweden, yeah. Uh, he, and his friggin' royal court was there. They have business cards. They are the court of the Prince of Sweden. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were like 20 people at this dinner. It was a very intimate thing. And I sat next to the Prince of Sweden and uh, he plays hockey. And so we talked about Well, as one hockey. does in Sweden. Yeah, yeah, it was super cool. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I did that, that TED Talk and with a colleague of mine um, at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver, we basically invented a thing that's now a product that we didn't get any money for it, where you kind of have Skype with your dog and, uh, and it plays like little sounds and stuff. We did a research paper on that and published on it. So I have like this interesting overlap of researching dogs on the internet and having my own dogs on the internet. But so far, I'm not getting speaking invitations to come talk about the dogs, though. I would love to do that. So if anyone uh, wants to have me come speak and you got money to pay my speaking fee, which you probably don't. Um, you know, I'm happy to do that. And we could even bring a dog with. If you can pay my speaking fee, at least one dog will come with. I promise. For a while, Jen was doing a lot of research that involved zombies, but that didn't lead to any zombie work either. I don't. Well, yeah, I mean, I have. So I have a chapter in one of my books about surviving the zombie apocalypse with social network analysis techniques. But that got me, I wrote on my Psychology Today blog about the zombie apocalypse and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I did a couple podcasts about that in like radio interviews. And I also have a chapter in a book called The, um, the Psychology of the Walking Dead 
about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and specifically the show The Walking Dead. Oh. Um, so I would say I'm one of the world's foremost computer science zombie experts also. I've probably it's, written more than anybody else. It's a small field. It's a very small field. It's easy to be a world expert when there's like five people. Uh, anyway, okay, there you go. Question number one, thank you. Uh, here we go, question two. I'm Danielle from Nebraska, and my question is, have you ever taken all five dogs in the car at the same time? Oh, Danielle. Taking all five dogs in the car at the same time. Yes, I did it once. It is a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, so we have a, a friend from the Twitter account, Tina, and you guys have sort of seen her. She invited the girls to go swimming last winter at Old Town Pet Resort. And so if you remember back in probably January or February, there's a video of, and some pictures of the girls at the pool. They went a couple times, I think, right? Well, so everybody went the first time right. and really only Hops and Venk got into it. So Hopper and Venk have gone a couple times and we have a really good time swimming with them. Uh, but everybody went the first time and GR dad wasn't around that weekend. And so I had to drive them all myself. And so we had like hops and Vank in the cargo space and we have a dog bed back there. And I think I put queso and Maggie in the back seat and I tried Jasmine in the front seat and that didn't work. And then I tried Vankman in the front seat. That definitely didn't work. I tried <laughs> Hopper. It didn't work. Uh, because they won't just sit there in the front seat, they try to lay down. And the worst, the really dangerous thing, and I have done this with other dogs in the front seat, is that they do not respect the gear shift and they knock the car into neutral. Like when you're driving 70 miles an hour, they just bump it into neutral and it's really terrible. So it's uncomfortable for them to try to ride in the front and it's sort of dangerous. So we tried it that one time and just reconfirmed like there was no way I can configure it that that was gonna work and so um, we don't do it anymore. And that's actually why we are doing fewer meetups than we used to do. Like we used to do them every month or two, but now it's like this much bigger production with five dogs because I can't fit them all in the car. So if it were an emergency, if it were the zombie apocalypse, I'd put all five in the car. I'd put three in the back seat, GR dad in the front seat, two in the cargo area. It's actually easier if I'm in the front seat and I can hold on to hops. She'll sit on my lap, no complaints. She loves that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's actually I mean, after an hour. Oh. Uh, All right, yes, queso. queso. <laughs> um, so, yes, we have done it, but I don't want to ever do it again. All right, question number three. Hi, I'm Peyton from Minnesota, and I was just wondering, how do you make sure that the girls get enough exercise, especially the older ones? Thank you. This is a good question. Yeah, and we're, we're lucky. They're not greyhounds, right? I mean, they, they, don't, they don't suffer if they don't get enough exercise, quote-unquote. Right, they're not they're especially not, old ones. Yeah, that's right. But also, just you know, the, well, and maybe it's these guys, right? Vink doesn't need a lot of exercise. Vink <laughs> is like, please no. <laughs> so I think having enough exercise is is sort of easy in in some ways. They don't have a baseline where if they do less, their joints atrophy or something like that. No, they will misbehave, and and usually, especially when they're younger, that happens. So it w like until they turn three. Like, if you don't get them enough, enough exercise, like, they'll destroy stuff. I mean, ours, we're pretty good about that. But in general, they get unhappy and they get kind of crazy in the house and, and misbehave and uh, just because they've got energy that they need to get out. Once they get past three, it's they don't get quite as insane. And once they get past, like, eight, they really don't 
like to exercise that much. Um, and so like Queso and Maggie and Jasmine like to go for walks, but they go for short walks and they get tired. I mean, if we go even like the three quarters of a mile that I would take Maggie and Jasmine, both of them are tired at the end of that. And Queso can't go that far. She thinks she can. Yesterday, you didn't see this. So GR Dad came home like as I was finishing my cycle of uh, running and walking with the girls. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to take Queso. I've just got to take her. I usually take her down a couple blocks and back. But we were like going to the party with the cup. And I'm like, I'm just going to take her down a block and back, get her a little outdoor exposure. So you got to the end of the one block. I'm like, okay, we're turning around. And she's like, hell no, we're not turning around. I'm and going. I started going back to the house. She's like, no. And she's like pulling me. And I was like, all right, I guess we're going another block. She just decides what she's going to do. She's so big, too. She can do it. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, in one end, a nice thing about older Goldens is that they don't really need a lot of exercise. Um, Hopper, you can tell when she needs to go for a walk. Like, she just looks antsy, sort of. Look agitated, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is a, a benefit of me running so much. Um, I probably run... On slow weeks now, 35 miles a week, and in like peak training weeks, probably 60, 65 miles a week. Uh, so I run pretty much every day. And as soon as I like move towards where my running stuff is, Hopper is like up and watching me. Like she wants to come. And so um, unless I'm like running like to meet GR Dad for dinner or something, I'll always take her for at least three miles of it. So she gets a good run and a swim in most days and uh yeah vink hates going for walks like i've sometimes put it on the snaps i take her little harness off the hook and she starts running away and i'll have to like <laughs> chase her around the house um she's speedy when she gets out there but she doesn't really like it it'd be good to get her some more exercise just to help with the weight because she's kind of plateaued but she hates it and so i don't want to make her do it yeah the, the idea of enough exercise right is a real we could have a whole I think hour about it and, yeah. and what's enough and is it mental, is it physical? And I think a lot of it just depends on the dog. I mean, you know, we're lucky in some ways that Venk doesn't, she's not as hyper as a normal three-year-old For sure. dog. She's got the yeah. wonky elbows and she likes to lie around and watch TV. She does. She but it's not bad. We're not fighting that. And, you know, I think Venk gets a lot out with like playing with Queso and them, right? She does play a ton. And so it's not like, vigorous continuous cardio but she's not just like sedentary there's some core workout i think involved with the butt attack the butt attack (laughs) all right question number four this is aaron from wisconsin i have two young dogs one year old one about six months old they like to play pretty aggressively how do i know when it's too aggressive and how do i stop it when it gets that way yeah that is a good question um they will sometimes, especially when they're young, like shake each other around and jump on each other and make vicious faces. I think a couple signs to look for. One is that if like the hair on their back, like between their shoulder blades stands up, that is always a bad sign. Like you want to stop that stuff immediately if that hair goes up, like that's a a sign of aggression. Um, if they kind of have their tails up in the air and they're wagging, that's good. That means they're playing. If they kind of break off, and you see the girls do this sometimes where they'll they'll kind of break away for a second and then they'll do a shake 
like when they're shaking off water, they'll kind of shake it off. Like that's a sign of like, okay, like dissipating any stress. And so that is usually a good sign that they're playing. Um, if they are grabbing at each other around the neck, that's a thing to keep an eye on. Like that is not always aggressive. Like Queso jumps on Vink's neck all the time. You can't get Vink's neck because of all the floof. Well, it's true, but she kind of goes in there. Yeah. Um, but that's worth watching. If they're grabbing in the back of the neck or especially if they're grabbing around the throat, it's not necessarily bad, but it can escalate. And so if they are doing that, like pay close attention. Um, and I think the, I don't know, the one thing that I've always paid attention to, not so much in the household because they're all really good with each other, but like at dog parks, is if one of the dogs seems like they're actually trying to get away, you need to let that dog get away. Like you don't want them to feel like they're trapped because that's when bad stuff happens. So if one of the dogs seems like they're trying to get out, absolutely break it up and like let that dog get out. Yeah, and it's, there, I guess there's two parts of it, right? You don't want the one of the dogs or both the dogs to be too aggressive themselves, but you also want them to listen to the signals from the other dog, mm -hmm. I guess, right? Yeah. Even if they're not being aggressive, they could be playing too roughly and then the other one dog yips or mirfs and you want that dog, to, the first dog to stop. Yeah. Right? Even, if, even if they didn't mean it. Right. right. It's a thing. For sure. Yeah. And, and a scared dog is a dangerous dog. So if, if one of your dogs is getting scared and cornered and they're trying to get away, even if the other dog's playing, that scared dog could lash out and do something too. So you want to, like anytime somebody seems like they want out, definitely jump in and let them out. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm hoping if they, if they're together all the time, this is, it's going to be okay. Right. Because it, I think another thing that, that develops is if they're really playing, it seems for ours anyway, that, that one of them is usually happy to be submissive and yep. be on their back and not, not be the aggressive one. And they kind Sometimes of naturally, both yeah, lay down right. on their back. Yeah. I mean, but both of them can be, can be, you know, yeah. the, the submissive one, they're not stressed about showing each other their throats or their bellies. Yeah. You know, if they're, if that's not happening, then maybe someone's nervous or both of them are nervous and yeah. it's a little bit more than playing. Yeah. But uh, it, we've had most problems with, with fosters where they're introduced, they just have a different style or they bark louder or they growl more yeah. and it's a different style of play and that, that leads to some uncertainty. Yeah, and they don't, especially the ones that aren't socialized well, they really are trying to play, but they don't know when to back off. And so they're kind of playing aggressively, but they really think they're playing, but Hops or Vank is like super freaked out by what's going on. And then you just want to stop it and everybody calms down and they learn. Yeah. Or, or we had some when Hopper was younger and she, Hopper growls when she tugs, right? Mm -hmm. She's really sounds vicious. And that puts some of the, the foster dogs off. So, but, yeah. but that's one of the things the dogs, the, the good thing about letting them play and having them do this young is that they, they should learn that, you know, stop biting so hard. Yeah. You know, you can't, bite that hard or you can't do this you have to be more gentle and they yeah. i think they generally learn get socialized that way yep yep so good luck i hope they all behave yeah all right question number five hi i'm rebecca from london and i was just wondering what your opinion was on golden retrievers as a first-time dog um i've had dogs growing up and i was thinking about getting a golden retriever as my first dog on my own and i was just wondering what the pros and cons of it was Thank you. Give Queso lots of kisses for her face-o. Kisses for your face-o, Queso. Uh, Goldens are a great first dog because they are super easy to train. They're super mellow. 
they just love everything. Like they are the easiest dogs to like work with and have. They don't need a ton of space. Like even though they're kind of bigger dogs, it doesn't matter if you have a tiny apartment because they just want to be next to you all the time. Um, I would say the two things to keep in mind is that they do need a lot of exercise, especially if they're younger. Like they'll need walks or playtime or whatever. So uh, if you're in an apartment, you know, you should be able to take them for a half hour walk in the morning, in the evening. And, you know, one of those probably should be a little bit longer because they have a lot of energy when they're younger. And two is that they shed all over everything. I say as GR dad is collecting handfuls of fluff off of Maggie who's laying next to him. <laughs> they shed all over the place, um, which is fine as long as you are zen about dog fur and you don't mind vacuuming and having fur on your clothes. Yeah, a GR mom's totally in the tank for Golden. So that this is, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. That this is this is her her breed. Um, but they're they're like goofy and easy to train and super sweet. They're like generally not aggressive with other dogs. Like they're really easy dogs. We're like your wiener dog and many wiener dogs can and actually lots of small dogs can like be weirdly aggressive. And uh, but there's other good dogs that are you know bigger but easy to train and good in apartments um but goldens are great and they do come in different sizes right i'm looking at queso thinking yeah they're, they're she's pretty big but then makes smaller and there are there are definitely smaller slighter goldens too yeah and you know there's mixes that are smaller so uh penny the one that we found whose name was actually maggie <laughs> she was like 40 pounds and they think she was a mix between an australian shepherd and a golden um which is going to make you need a lot more exercise with the dog. But, um, but yeah, they're mixes. And, I mean, Labradors are good. They're not as goofy as Goldens, but they're also really easy to train and non-aggressive. And, um, like, any of the kind of sporting dogs are pretty – they're very responsive to humans and, and pretty easy to work with. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. I mean, look, with five, we've kind of lost track of this too. But w the size matters. If, if you're only going to have one dog and you're, you're in a city – Having a smaller dog can be much more convenient. You you may have to carry him or her sometimes, and you and you and a bigger dog you have to control so much better on the leash because the bigger dog can pull you around if they decide to lunge somewhere too. So it's it's just something to think about, right? A dog that weighs as much as you do, you know, you have to control them completely with your voice, and you can't control them with your leash. Smaller oh, dogs, it's it's a slightly different scenario. You should still not try to control your dog with the leash. That's always bad, but in an emergency, you could. If you have a 150-pound St. Bernard, they can kind of pull you around. Yeah, so I'm going to take the opposite position, though I don't think what you've said is bad. Um, because you're right. Like Sometimes you do have to pick them up and carry them, and it's hard to do that if they're bigger. Um, but if you have to pick up your little dog and carry it, it's kind of because you haven't trained it right. They can't, you certainly can get pulled around, but like Great Danes are awesome apartment dogs because they just lay around all the time. Like they don't need much exercise. They don't need a lot of space. They're huge, right? They're massive dogs, but they're great for small apartments because they kind of just stay in one space and um, they're easy to work with and laid back. But yeah, I mean, if you feel like you, like they could really drag you around, that's a problem. Um, but I, I think the main thing is kind of like, What's your lifestyle? How much time do you want to spend training? Little dogs, easier to pick up, often harder to train. Fit in your bed. 
<laughs> yeah, and like how many dogs are you going to have and how many people are you going to have in your bed and how big is your bed? Just something to think about. <laughs> Obviously, we're not, uh, it's not disqualifying to have five giant dogs in a house with a normal size bed, of course. Yeah, we have a queen size bed. It's just something to think about. I may be overthinking this. Yeah, it's goldens possible. are, uh, aside from the fact that I am in the tank for goldens, they're great first dogs because they're easy to train and they're friendly. Like, it's hard to have a dog who's aggressive. And I've had a golden who was aggressive towards other dogs. And it's hard because, like, you can't walk them easily. You can't let them play easily. Yeah. And goldens, like, in general, are not like that. They're really friendly to people and to other animals. They socialize easy. They learn really easy. Like, they like to please you. Yeah, it's, it's something, it is something. If you've never had a dog before, you, you ha if you have a dog that you're nervous about with other people, it's a huge burden. Oh, if yeah. You, if you have to, kids come up all the time, can I pet your dog? If you have to think about it, it's really awkward and hard. And yeah. if your dog nips a kid or a person or is growly to other dogs, it's just really stressful. It's really stressful yeah. and it's unnecessary. And Goldens are. They love people. They're really good with other dogs. They're patient. They're... They have sort of, you know, they're not nervous about stuff. Yeah, and easy to train, mm -hmm. right? So you get them in whatever. You get them and you have them, and that's great. So, yes, thumbs up. Yeah. A great first dog. Okay, so we've done five of the ten questions we got, and so I think we will wrap this one here, and we'll do next week the other questions that we have so far. Uh, but we did get a listener German word of the week, which is pretty awesome, so... Gio, Dad, you are spared for this week. Uh, let's do the listener German word of the week. Hi, I'm Regina from Germany, and I think your German word of the week should be Publikumsfrage, which means question from the audience. And in a sentence that would be Janet Ingo beantworten heute ganz viele Publikumsfragen. Thank you and liebe Grüße an Gia, Mama und Papa. Danke, Regina. Liebe Grüße und Leider machen wir nicht ganz viele, sondern nur fünf. Aber immerhin. Super Wort, super Wort. Danke, danke. <lacht> super Wort means super word. Very good. That's great. I love that. That was like a little bonus surprise in that email. So we do have a question from her too, but we'll get to the question next week. So uh, thanks everyone for the awesome questions. I hope you liked the answers and there will be more Q&A next week. So uh, until then, thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.